This is AI Podcast, not artificial intelligence, agency intelligence. Our team's going to be 10 times stronger than all the other teams. A platform for agents. When people think of niche marketing, they're thinking so small scale. In real life agencies, sharing their thoughts. All you need to do is get in front of more people. To transform an industry. Better coverages, uh, better pricing, better everything. Real. The difference between givers, takers, and matchers. Agents. I guess I took a slightly different path coming to the agency. I know a lot of agencies. You can partner your clients with those companies that are looking for that specific target market. This is AI Podcast. Are you ready? I am. Let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Agency Intelligence Podcast, where we give you real agents inside real agencies, giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial intelligence that the industry tries to make you believe. My name is Jason Cass. Today, we are going to have a fun time like we always do. And today, I have a man who's been on the podcast a couple times, and we're bringing him on in a different realm. We've been talking about some things, and and I said, Eric, what you're talking about, loyal listeners need to hear. So I brought him directly to you, Mr. Eric Garcia, where I call him the land on under. He makes fun of me for that because that reference is Australia. But if you live anywhere north of Louisiana, that's the land down under, in my opinion. But before I get there, so Eric can defend Louisiana, before I get there, you need to go to AIBrainShare.com, AIBrainShare.com, Puerto Rico, October 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th. It's going to be electric. Two days of brain sharing, nothing like you've ever seen. One day of implementation day led by Chad Spade and Travis Gensler. You're going to love it. I promise. AIBrainShare.com. As of this podcast, if you've not heard from me and got an invite, you're not invited. But I only have 150 seats. AIBrainShare.com. Put your name on the list. I'm reviewing them and interviewing people now. AIBrainShare.com. Eric, my boy, what's up, dude? How are you? Jason, I'm glad your insurance game is better than your geography game. Ah! No, it's not. Hey, it's the down hey, under, dude. Hey, and, and on BrainShare, so at um, at Innovation, I had a couple people who actually came up to me and were trying to petition me, like, hey, you think you can ask Jason to invite me to BrainShare? <laughs> <laughs> All they got to do is go put on the damn invitation, but that's awesome. But yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. I did. Uh, I tell you what, I've interviewed a handful and I can't remember how many, and I don't know how many I said yes to, but I remember I've said no to three of them. And I just, I just they just weren't going to fit. They, 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 there's, there's a couple questions that I ask that kind of, and I don't want to say those on here because I kind of want to catch them off guard to see what they're, mm. it's just, sometimes you're not always going to fit and it's okay. You know, uh, one of the people, one of the agencies is going to get there, but right now I only have 150 seats, right? Like this is, this is precious like land. I mean, I'm not trying to be rude, but it is. I've got I've got to fill these seats with a lot of people and so I just said no. But I've I've let probably 2 3 4 probably no more than 4 in, I think I have. So, I have to talk check that out. Yeah, what's crazy, but Eric, dude, what's crazy is just the amount of sharing that goes on. Uh, like just the mm-hmm. the unselfish nature of of people willing to give you like their their secrets. Yep. There's, there's nothing hidden. Love it. And, and and even more behind that, Eric. Like, like I'm not kidding you. Made up, made up statistic, but I'm pretty close. 
20 to 30% of the mastermind agents have sent me their P&Ls. Probably almost as much have sent me their balance sheets. Like I know exactly majority of the agents. I know almost exactly what they make per month, what they make per year. They send them to me. And they're like, hey, Cass, what do you think about this? It's really, really wild, the people, that the, the trust that people put in other people. And I hold that dearly. And that's why, Eric, I've never told you what other agents make because I, that's just not my job. They're giving it to me because they want to get better. And when you're talking about sharing openly, that kind of leads into why you're here. Because you and I were talking and we've been – we always do. You and I are always um, – and, you know, you have a couple groups of agents that you're always with, hence the reason why you're um, sharing – and when we do, you know, you said to me, Cass, I think I've got a different perspective of something that doesn't get said and really talked about on your on your podcast much. So you loyal listeners know I'm speaking to a loyal listener in Eric Garcia. We met many, many years ago. Listen to some of the other podcasts him and I did. You'll get that backstory. And you said, Cass, where we're missing out is, is that it's the financial side. He said, I, you said, you know, you have this passion. I remember you telling me this, Eric, you have this passion for helping people understand in simple, logical, rational ways and understanding their money. Because for all you loyal listeners need to know, Eric is a agency owner who happens to be a financial advisor. Eric, am I wrong by saying that you're 51% financial advisor and 49% insurance agency owner? Would I be right by saying that? You're wrong by saying that. I'm probably 75, 80% financial planner in the balance my, agency owner. My point was, is that more of you is financial than the other. But there you go. That, that, that's what you know from Eric, but that's right. And you said, but what you do is you have agents who are open with you about some of their finances and you're kind of looking at it, giving them advice, like guys, like, are you serious? And and it's kind of like our clients, we don't, they don't know any different sometimes. That's why they're coming to a professional. And you starting to build this passion now to say, hey, I've helped a couple other agents. I'm an agency owner. I know what agents are going through, sometimes better than other agents, agency owners do. You have a pulse on your agency or your finger on the pulse closely. And that's why we brought you on here. Now, outside of that, Eric, because I didn't want Eric to have to boast. I want everybody to know why he's here. Outside of there, Eric, is there anything I'm leaving off there? <laughs> no, you know, a mistake I used to make early, early in my career and something that just has come with, with age and, and wisdom is I always assumed people knew more than they knew, particularly in the financial space. True. So, uh, you know, I grew up in the insurance industry. My dad was in the insurance industry. I very quickly worked my way to the top in terms of met people high up in, in the different aspects, you know, different parts of the industry. Early on, I was I was an assistant manager down here um, for the captive that I worked with. And I quickly realized that, wait a minute, th they don't know as much about money as I thought. I mean, they're successful insurance people, they're successful business owners, but their personal finances are, are shot. They, they, they don't understand some basic concepts. And mm -hmm. um, it was just something I assumed and I took for, for granted. And when I started to realize, like, wait a minute, I can't assume this stuff. I have to assume that that people don't know uh, without without you know without uh, um, insulting people that um, as business owners there's this idea that we we have it all together. We understand all of our finances, and and that's not the case. And that's where I've started to notice really sophisticated business owners struggle on the personal finance side. 
um, struggle with personal vision in terms of finances, but they're brilliant business owners. Mm-hmm. And that's something that right. I've noticed and, and I've really enjoyed working with, uh, working with those individuals. Yes. And I would say I'm one of those people. I mean, I'm being serious because I, I'm, I am not the best with money. Uh, I, and it's not that I'm bad with it. I just don't know what to do. Here's what I the best way. I'm not great at making my money work for me. That's the best way I, that I can say it. Um, the bills in my house, Eric, my wife takes care of them all. I make the money. I, I know my loyal listeners know this. I haven't deposited a check in my account, in my personal account forever, right? It just goes directly into my wife's account. She pays all the bills. We noticed about 20 years ago that when she paid all the bills, we had money, right? It was just that way. I have Travis in my life for that reason on the insurance side. He's a financial guy. He, I mean, he literally is. He has his financial license, dealer, broker thing, whatever. He he takes care of that department. But I, I'm the same way. I don't. I'm not that great about that. And if I didn't have someone like Travis, I would be leaning on someone. And when I'm leaning on Edward Jones, which is a good place. Doesn't it make sense that if you have the same tools, but actually have the knowledge of what it's like to work in my business, so let, let, that, that let's makes take more a step sense. Back. Let's take a step back because you, you brought something up that's really interesting. And I want to okay. be careful okay. not to um, – well, you, you, you bring up – Come on. Uh, in the financial space, right? We have terms that get thrown around all the time, financial advisor, financial planner. And there's actually a lot of crazy things happening right now in, in my space on the financial side from a regulatory and industry standpoint. Um, so the term financial advisor in July, that term is actually going to be starting to be phased out from a regulatory standpoint because financial advisor implies that you sell advice, that you get paid for selling advice. So a lot of financial advisors, quote unquote, get paid commissions. They sell mutual funds, commission or commission products, variable annuities, annuities and such. And then you have financial advisors that are, are fee, that get paid fees. So it could be assets under management, right? I manage your money. I get paid a certain percentage for that, or I just sell you my knowledge, right? I give you, you come to me for financial planning and I put together a financial plan. So that's a differentiating factor that and not you all financial a fee, advisors- You charge a fee for that, would that be right? That last that last part, like you're going to put together a plan and you- am I, am right? yeah. yeah, so I work with several clients right now that I do no investments for, or I do no product for. It's purely, I am helping them put together a, a financial uh, plan, which could- which could involve anywhere from uh, putting a plan to get out of debt, to putting together a retirement plan, to reviewing all their benefits at their at their jobs, reviewing their four hundred one ks that I can't you're not getting, manage. Yeah, you're not getting commission or anything. What I'm saying is, is for this type of service, you're charging a separate fee. That's right. Yeah. So okay. All right. Just so to make th- sure. those are those are two classifications. I think that's something that's that's important to understand. Not that not that someone who is not uh, a fee based advisor is 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 bad. I, mean, I think there's bad advisors across the board. There's dishonest people regardless of the licenses that they hold. But for example, I have my CFP designation, Certified Financial Planner designation. That's that's one of the, I would say, the gold standards of, of designations in the financial space. Mm-hmm. It basically means that I've done a lot of, uh, I've taken a lot of classes and a lot of courses on all aspects of the financial planning space, not just retirement planning, not just investment management, um, and when I when a client engages me, whether it's in an investment advisory account or financial planning, I actually have a fiduciary obligation responsibility to them to give them um, advice that's in their best interest. Now, that kind of sounds crazy that a financial advisor would not give advice in a client's best interest, 
but it's a different standard, a different legal standard that that I'm held to, or not just me, but guys who hold the licenses that I hold than a um, than a financial advisor who is selling a a commissioned mutual fund. Um, so that's something that's something really to to keep in 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 mind that not all financial advisors are doing financial planning. You know, you walk into you walk into the local quote unquote financial advisors uh, uh, you know storefront and they want to talk about investments. They may give some ancillary advice as it relates to investments, like you need to save more for your retirement, Jason. But they're not going to go and say, well, Jason, how can we find more money for you to save? Uh, they might not get into the mechanics of your business and uh, and find ways for you to become more profitable. I like how you explain that because, dude, like for, for a couple minutes there, I felt like an insurance agent trying to explain to a client what the difference between a direct and independent and a captive was. My eyes were starting to glow, glaze over. I, I noticed my my head was leaning to the right and how I did is because it kind of tapped the wall next to me. And then you gave the story and kind of put it to comparative how one could possibly have the initiative to save you money and the other wouldn't. And then all of a sudden, like I woke up. So it was... It was, it was, it, you just, let, let me tell you, let me tell you a quick story. Let me tell you a quick story. I know you like stories of how this happened. Probably about like six or seven years ago, I was approached by a professional that I do some, uh, 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 that I do some business with. He's a couples counselor. And you've probably heard me talk about the relationship that I have, that I work with some uh, counselors mm-hmm. in the counseling space. And he says, look, I've got a colleague um, and she's got some financial issues. She's middle-aged. She's got some questions. Would you talk to her? How much would you charge her? I'm like, man, I'll talk to her. Like, I know you. We've done work together. I'll talk to her for free. It's like, she's not going to come see you for free. Um, she gets paid for her time. So I was like, if we do business, then I'll get paid. But I'll, I'll be more than happy to give her advice. Uh, long story short, she came to me. We met for, uh, you know, and I estimated it's going to take me five hours of time. And, and we kind of came up with an agreed upon price. And I gave her advice. And, like, it changed her world. I'm like, oh my gosh, like there is people need advice. They don't necessarily need me to sell them an, an investment product or, or more insurance. They just need mm-hmm. good advice. And this is a professional who had success in, in her field, but was struggling with debt, was struggling to understand her retirement accounts. And that's what really led me and drove me to get my, my CFP designation, the Certified Financial Planner designation. I'm like People uh-huh. need advice. Google can't do it all. Google can't do it all. And here's the thing. Finances are nuanced, right? You know, I posted a, a, a poll the other day in in um, in the Mastermind group, and it was about uh, a couple different couple different podcasts I was doing. One of them is why I disagree with uh, why I disagree with Dave Ramsey on investing. So you're gonna have to wait for that one. Um, but Dave Ramsey does a lot of good things. But you can't give financial advice at such a high level to millions and millions and millions of people and expect it to be the same, right? Your situation is dramatically different than the guy who makes $60,000 who just got out of debt. So how is the advice going to be the same? So financial advice is very nuanced and you're going to respond differently to the same advice than someone else might. So my job as a planner is how are you going to, if my job is to get you to where you want to get, your, whatever that goal is, right? Whatever your vision for your life is financially, and my job is to get you there. You pay me to get you there. Then I have to be able to give you that advice in a way that you can consume it and digest it. So I can imagine that you're probably going to have, you're going to lose a lot of financial people, right? Like a, lot of, a lot of people in your profession are probably 
not dealing with this change very well. Yeah, there's a big change in the industry where what we're seeing is from an investment standpoint. So most people think of financial advisors like that's the investment guy. And that's a very small part. I would say from a revenue standpoint, it's a large part of the revenue that comes into my uh, into my practice. But from a from a content standpoint, the investments is is a very small part of what what we're talking about because what we're seeing in the industry is not much different than what we're seeing on the property casualty side where you're starting to see yeah no, that's exactly where I'm that's where I'm trying to piece this together, Eric, because what I'm seeing is is like for you to be an exceptional agent in the future, you're going to have to give more advice than you do. My producers are going in and not and not talking about any kind of insurance com- coverages or anything for the first 20 to 30 minutes they're in. And if they and if they're not getting the answers they want, they leave without even talking about that. If they're if they're getting the answers they want, they stay for an hour and a half and then they start getting into that. And I think it's the same thing. These agents who have a problem giving a consultative role and understanding that their advice is what is is what is important and not necessarily the product itself. And it sounds like that's what you guys are going through actually before agents are being forced to that. That's actually part of the great separator. Am yeah, I, well, so I, here, here's what right we're seeing. Wrong? Yeah, so here's what we're seeing. We, we talk about it on the investment side. We, we talk about it, it's, we call it fee compression, right? So the investment fees are being compressed across the, the industry that investing is becoming more and more commoditized, right? You have all the robo-advisors. I remember um, six or seven years ago when the robo-advisors, right? You know, Betterment and Wealthfront and Schwab has one now. All the big firms do, Vanguard. So basically, it's an algorithm. You go on, you put your date of birth, you put your assets, you put how much you make, and it spits out this 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 investment plan for you, right? It picks the, the index funds and the ETFs that you should go into, and there's your financial plan. I remember talking to some advisors who were terrified that that this was going to take over, and I said, "No, like there's a place for that. There's people, there's people that I can't help, and robo advisors are great for them." But that's something that we're seeing in the industry: this commoditization of the investment side, and the advisors that are going to succeed are the ones who understand that user experience, right? Well, they're pretty slick. I mean, those those tools are really slick. So how can I incorporate that, but yet still know my client, know them personally, and give them advice and that nuanced advice that they need that's super specific to them? Because those robo advisors are not dealing with uh, taxation, or or they're not they're not getting sophisticated with some of the investment strategies that you need to do if you're a high net worth individual. If you got a lot of income, you, you need some pretty sophisticated investment strategies to reduce the taxes that you're paying. Um, so there's a place for it, but the advisors that are the advisors that succeed in the future are the ones who understand that that user experience is what people mm-hmm. want, but people also want personalized advice Absolutely. that those computers can't give them. That that's the insurance side. Yes, I mean that's the same I thing. Mean, the same. And story. to be honest with you, it's the same story as the medical field. It's the same story as the law. It's it. it, it Hello, loyal listeners. Here we go. I talk about it a lot. These little signs that are out there, the bat signal up there telling us what's going on is these little things that we have to point out, you know, switching, switching it just because we're going to jump off and I want to come right back to it. But it's like those little points and things that we talk about, Eric, where that we see that there's a higher power, that we know that there's something other than just us. I posted it on my Facebook page the other day uh, with with Co- or LeBron James doing the dunk that he did in, in I believe, 
uh, in, 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 dude, in, in, dude, in San Antonio or not San Antonio. My goodness, Jason in Oakland. And uh, I think he, I think they were playing. I think they were playing um, Warriors and it was at war at their state, at their place. Maybe I was wrong. It's one of those two. Anyways, point is, is it's, it's, it's like 20 years to the day or not to the day, but 20 years since uh, Kobe had done it. And what was amazing was, is the, what you hear LeBron say, he say, I didn't have that plan. I didn't know about it. And like, we've never seen LeBron ever do that dunk. Right. And it's like, he does that dunk. He does it when Co- where Kobe did it 20 years later. When you, when you hear LeBron say that it's, it's like, you know that there's a higher power. We see this so many times in, 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 in sports a lot because it's what we see on TV. But even our own personal life where someone dies or if you're on the mission field or something great happens or glorified to, to God or Jesus, you get these things where you see these supernatural things. And there's only one or two ways to look at it. You can dismiss it or you can put it together with all the other things you've seen in life and realize I'm willing to bet there's something to it, right? And that's one of those things. And same thing here with with insurance agencies and with investors. I think what you're trying to say is God cares about our data. That's that exactly what, what I'm saying. And dude, he has the just, best behavioral data. Could, I mean, he knows it all on us, dude. I, so here, here's something. Here's something that's really interesting. Okay, <laughs> and a lot of people don't realize this. All right. <laughs> Or you and I, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to Cuba and to God at some point in all of these in all of our conversations, right? So in the Bible, I'm talking about Old and New Testament. There's over two thousand verses that deal with money or material items. Yeah, more than more than more than actually love and faith. So, like, I do think from from a spiritual perspective here, since since you you, you brought this, I do think that God cares about how we manage money. Absolutely. Um, this idea of this idea of stewardship, and if you get if uh, and if you can, in the show notes. I'm going to send you a link to to my ebook. Please do. That there's a, a couple things I talk about. I talk about stewardship and uh, this idea that if you look at your, let's talk about this. So so let's just let's 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 play this out for a second. Let's okay. say that your business is not yours. Okay. All right. Let's say it's owned by. Think of someone. Don't tell me who it is. Think of someone who you have the absolute most respect for. Like you, this is someone I don't want to let them down. <laughs> okay. And tell got me it. you have that. Person I got it. I already got, got it. it. Yep. All right. Your business belongs to them. Okay. They turn the keys over to you, Jason. You are responsible for running this business. You do what you want. Make the decisions you want. Hire who you want. All that I'm going to ask is once a year. You're going to sit down with me, and we're going to look at your 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 PL statements and your balance sheet, and I'm just going to ask you questions. Okay. Wow. So now all of a sudden, you're running this business that belongs to the person you trust the most. Does it change anything? Hmm. Maybe it does. I can see. Maybe mm-hmm. it doesn't. Uh, so that's this idea of stewardship. You are a steward for an asset that belongs to somebody else. And I, I think like that. that um, this idea of stewardship, if we look at our money as it belongs to that person that we trust the most or love the most or don't want to let down, what does it change in how we manage our money? And typically when I, when I pose that scenario to people, they, they kind of, their eyes kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like, oh gosh, I'm like, that's the first thing we need to work on. What, what, what is it that you thought of? Well, I, you know, I probably overspend here. Well, mm-hmm. we got to fix that. How do we fix that? Right. I know I should be doing this. I should have, I should have done you know, shouldn't have taken out that third credit card. Well, let's fix that. If your mom was following you around with a camera and a camera was on you and your mom saw everything you did, how would you live your life differently? 
But I right? would say forget mom. It's that person again who you trust the most and don't want to let down. And maybe it's yeah, not but your majority mom. for majority of people, it's their mom. Eric, my goodness sakes, have uh, up some to a certain age though. Up life, to a certain age, you? at some point, you're like, okay, all right, mom, good just get point. over with it. I'm 40. Leave okay. me alone, right? <laughs> Okay, but no, I like that. I like that how the stewardship is, though, because it's thinking that way, right? It's the same way as the TV with mom or whoever it is, right? It's our actions would greatly be different. I, Eric, I'm going to just say this. I, uh, this is funny. We're, when you were in school, like you're in fifth grade, sixth grade, you know, did you ever like, were you ever in the classroom, like writing, you know, at your desk and you're doing your work and you would act like, that your mom was standing outside the door and was actually like spying on you and you're just never. so proud of how good you're doing. You never did no, that? I, I don't think so, no. <laughs> okay, that's just a weird thing of me then. Yeah, I used to yeah. do that. Not all the time, but I'd be like, man, my mom would be so proud of me right now. Did she now. make you feel guilty? Was she, you, know, oh, I have, you know, I have a Cuban mom, so that you kind of get that Cuban guilt. Yeah. I, I think I think I mean, I, <laughs> right? Oh, I can't believe that. You, do you know what you do to us? <laughs> Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Um. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast Certified. Yeah, yeah, my mom, my yeah, my mom was just always on me about school, and and school wasn't something that was really easy for me. So, but about yeah, the it, stewardship for the money, I want I want to talk about that. I wanted to, yeah. yeah, I like I like talking about that because we also talked about because we don't have enough time in it. And I want to bring you back, and I want the subject to be about how the good, the bad, the ugly, and the truthful about Dave Ramsey. I'm not here to blast him. I think he's great. In 2014, my wife and I, or 2013, my wife and I took his financial peace course. Boom, changed our life, paid off crap loads of debt. We understand car payments aren't good. We, I mean, so much we came out of it. But I also realized that there was some issues that I thought to myself, like, man, he's given some advice to people that if they don't follow it to the T. So I don't want to go on with that, but I want you to come back. Um, very soon okay. here. And yeah. let's do something on that because I think I want the loyal listeners to hear me right now. It will not be a bash to Dave Ramsey. It will not be. I just think that there's some there's some discussions that I think people have in society and these in their own little pockets that need to be brought out to to the world. A lot of our listeners, Eric, are ELP agents, right? Yeah. So I want them to understand that we're coming from an unbiased, truthful way. Dude, I'm looking right now. I'm looking at my bookshelf. And I've got I don't know five Dave Ramsey Ramsey's books mm-hmm. on. So yeah, this is not a <laughs> not a yeah. doctor Dave Ramsey. But look, um, this is a another. Um, it was a, this was a, a client came in and she was a Susie Orman fan, right? And she comes in and and I was talking to her about something. She goes, "Well, I saw this on Susie Orman." I said, "Well," and I and I kind of combated it and explained why I disagree with it, and then brought up Susie Orman again. So finally, I, I stopped and I said, "Hey, look." If you think the advice that Susie Orman is giving to the masses applies to you and your husband making over $200,000 a year, then follow what she says. But if you think that your situation deserves personal advice, then listen to me. 
And then she just kind of makes total sense. That's that's like money, dude. You so. weren't being rude. You were being truthful. It's just it makes sense. I'm not going to keep giving you advice. And Susie Orman <laughs> says this. Yeah, she also says buy 20 year term insurance at the lowest possible price you can because if you live perfectly at the age of 55, when that term's over with, you won't need it. Problem it is, only one percent of the people at the age of 55 lived perfectly, and now you just screwed 99 percent of the other people by that followed that advice when they were 35. Oh, and compounded and compounded by that. And this is where this is where. I, 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 a lot of Dave Ramsey stuff. It's like I agree, but I disagree. I agree with with mm-hmm. with with caveats. The problem yeah. though is these people are so buried in debt that they can't afford certain amount of types of life insurance. So you're you're kind of you're kind of looking at this and saying, all right, I've got a limited amount of, of resources to to fund everything that they need funded. How do I do that? What's the best way to do it? And that's where that's where financial planning is. That that's the heart of financial planning, right there. Is that everyone is everyone's situation is different, and I have to find a way to give you the advice that's going to best shape your uh, your financial reality. Based okay. that's going to help you reach your goal. So let, I'm going to go back to this idea of of agency owner and kind of mm-hmm. um, we kind of started down this path and and, and got distracted. But when I look at particularly business owners in this context, we, we can we can stick with agency owners. But this is this is true of any business owner. Is our businesses make up the majority of our net worth? So if you were to look at our personal balance statements, our 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 business is the majority of our net worth, and we spend a lot of time building our business. But very few business owners stop to think about how their business fits into their overall personal vision, their overall personal mission. So let me let me explain what I'm talking about here. I've got a couple of business owners, not in the insurance space, that we've been meeting for maybe seven or eight years every year in December. And we kind of build our business plans, marketing plans, and we kind of present them to each other and, and just kind of ask questions or bounce ideas off of off of each other. And one of the questions, and I put together the, the questionnaire form, and before we talk about like what's your vision for your business, I put on there, what's your personal vision for life? Like where, where do you want to be 20, True. 30 years from now? Mm-hmm. And the reason I do that is because as business owners, as agency owners, what we're doing in our agencies have to be, has to be consistent with where we want to be personally. And oftentimes I find that it's not, right? We, we talk Correct. about we want to spend more time with our kids, but yet we're working 15 hours a day or 12 hours a day or can never take time off. You know, mm-hmm. we, want to, we want to be retired by, you know, 55, sell our agencies by 55, but we're, we're living a lifestyle that we have no extra money to save. We have no liquidity. So, so what's really important is what we're doing in business. The way we build our business has to be consistent with what we're trying to do personally. So the next thing I want you to add to the list that we need to discuss is, and I want you to add this to the list, this is good, is we need to have a discussion of this. I don't need to save for for retirement because my agency is my retirement. I'm going to make more off that than I ever would in a retirement, so I don't need to. Let's discuss that also, okay? Because that would be a good one for agency owners because I know I think that. I think a lot of agency owners think that, and a lot of it bears a lot of truth. But I also think there's an opposite side to that, where there's a bunch of agency owners right now who thought that for the last thirty or forty years 
and they can't sell their agency because their technology is terrible. They still have filing cabinets. They have their their agencies ran by their staff. So maybe it's so not. Maybe is, it's not. This is the question. Go this ahead. is the same question that from other business owners. It's not an agency owner problem. This is a business owner problem. Ooh, I see this all the time. Ooh. All the time. Ooh, see, see, loyal so listeners. We'll talk, you we'll see how about, we're bringing we'll that in. About, that's right. We'll we, talk about agency owners. We brought Garcia on the boat. He's just out there just catching, just catching fish, pulling them in the boat. Oh, oh, oh Garcia. Because he's Cuban, so, right? Hold on. It's hold a, on, it's hold a big on. part since, of their, their, their livelihood down there. He's down there with all the – Since Go since ahead. you brought up fish, since you brought – this is a story. <laughs> this is a story that my dad um, would tell. And it's told in Spanish, so I would say the majority of your uh, listeners don't speak Spanish. So we're just going to keep it to uh, to English. Right? Okay, okay. So this Harvard uh, business grad goes down to Mexico for spring break, and he wakes up early one morning to see the sunrise, and he sees this old man on the pier uh, fishing. So he kind of walks up, and man, this guy's catching you know, three, four, five fish, and he goes, he leaves for the day, and then uh, next morning, the Harvard grad comes back out and, and sees this guy doing the same thing. He's like, man, this is amazing. I see you come out, you watch, you get up early, you watch the sunrise, you catch your fish. That's 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 such a that's so relaxing, and the guy's like, yeah, you know, I come on, it's it's I, I do what I enjoy. The guy's like, man, you know, you could hire some some people to come fish with you and catch more fish. And the old man's like, then what? And the Harvard grad, well, you can take it back to the market and you can sell that fish and you can make money. And then what? He goes, then you can go buy a boat, you can go deeper and buy bigger fish. And then what? We can sell those bigger fish for more money, and you can make more money. And uh, and, and then what? He goes, well, then you can hire or, or buy more fleets and hire more fishermen and catch more fish and make more money. And then what? Then you can sell your business for millions of dollars. And then what? Then you can do whatever you want. And the old man looks at him and says, like, wake up every morning to watch the sunrise and catch three or four fish. It. I think the point is – Love it. The point is, what are we chasing? What are we building? Are we building a business just for the sake of building the businesses? Man, look, I, I meet with people who um, make all the money they could possibly you know, need in life. And it's not fulfilling. It's not satisfying for them. Yeah, I've never heard anyone say, gosh, I, just, I, I wish I would have uh, just made more money. It's always, I wish I would have done, spent more time here, spent more time with my family or, or done something else. And that's why that personal vision is so important is what are we building for? And it's not to, it's not to, to stymie anybody's ambition. It's to say what really matters to you. And if this really matters to you, let's align what you do with your money with what you really want in life. That's right. Because in what I want to talk about is another top topic is what if today you're already doing what you want with life? How does that look different than Jason Cass's 10-year plan to get out? How does that look different than somebody who is wanting to stay in it for the rest of their life? You know, that 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 story you brought up there was was really, really good. And I really like that because, and then what? And then what? Because I kind of was going to say exactly what the guy was thinking after he sells all his million dollars, then he's just going to be able to do what he wants to do, which is catch fish. Right. And, um, yeah, I'm, there's two different types of people though. There's those people that would just be happy doing that, but there's those people who are happy doing that, but I got to test myself. 
you know? And I think it's that mm-hmm. attitude. It's, it's the, I'm that person. I think a lot of people are. I think a lot of people are not. Okay. There's way more that are not that kind of attitude. That's cool. We need that. But it's like, I got to go through that test. You know what I mean? I, I can't, I can't sit there and just catch those fish and watch the sunrise every day. I want to one day, <laughs> but in the yeah. meantime, you know, but, but that's cool. That's cool. It's your personal vision. That's what I'm saying. That's what you're trying to build towards. So that's why I want, that's why I want us to tackle it from many different angles when, when, when we talk about these topics, you know what I mean? Because it's just like our retirement's like our agency, right? Everyone's different. What, what we want out of it. I do think what's incredible, another topic for another podcast is how a lot of my friends who are 40, 50 or forties, late thirties, early forties, and that are kind of successful, we all kind of have the same, uh, we're all thinking the same thing, which is none of us are talking about working until we're 50 or 60. We're all talking about working until we're 50 or 60 or 70, but we're not talking about doing it in the business we're doing now. And our businesses that we have now have created extreme success. Some of my buddies are so freaking successful, it's ridiculous. And it's like, you would think, okay, they're going to do that to their 50, 60, 70 years old. No, like they're, they're already having exit strategies put in place, you know, for five years. And it's like, well, what are you going to do? And they're like, well, I don't know, but I know I'm going to have enough money that I can then go find something else to do. You know, one of my friends, I'm not joking with you. He, he makes like over $400,000 a year. Um, he, he's super successful. And, and, and he told me, he said, Cass, I don't really know what I want to do. He's like, right now I'm looking at Uber. And he's going to be 47 years old when he's, when he's retiring with all this money. And it's just like, he's just, I'm thinking of looking at Uber because it's not so much. It's like, yeah, what I really have a passion for insurance, but, but Eric, I may not have the greatest passion for being an agency owner that has to deal with employees every day on a large scale. I like being three or four of us and has having going after clients that are 15 to 20,000 in revenue per client, because then I have less staff and less headache. But I really envy, I'm really, I really envy people who have like 200, 300, 400 employees. I just don't know if that's part of my psych. Yeah. And I I often talk with people about, um, you know, when we talk about retirement is really redefining retirement. Like I don't buy into this, this vision of retirement that I'm going to, you know, retire at 65 or 66 and go, I don't know, play golf or sit on the beach. That, that's all cool. No problem with that. But I think that the second you you stop engaging your mind, there's a problem. Uh, I think that's when you start to die. Um, so I talk about retirement is is just kind of re-engaging in something that you're passionate about that you don't need to do it for the money. Yes. So it like could that. be it could be hey you know Uber driving you know what that's I, that would actually be kind of fun like drive people around and you get to meet a bunch of people and mm-hmm. talk about their experiences mm-hmm. and you know you get a little 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 cash or a little little you know little mm-hmm. uh, it's a gig that's a gig right there just uh, like, uh, side note yeah. that's a gig that's the gig economy right there Jason oh Uber. dude I, I didn't know what you're talking oh, about I think yeah, I think yeah. so many people didn't know Eric I'm serious because I, I was like <laughs> I don't know what gig means how many of you guys. If somebody says to you, how do you make money in the G-I-G, all capitalized, all one gig? How do you make money in the gig economy? 50% of you right now are going, Cass, are you serious? You didn't freaking know that? The other 50% are going, Cass, I'm with you. Okay, because I didn't know You see, man, this goes back. 
This goes back to what I said earlier. You know, I just assume I assume people know more than they do. Ah, I, I just, yeah. You know, Jason, I, you know, I, I don't know what they teach you up in, in Illinois, but um, it's your side. It's your side hustle, man. It's your side hustle. Yeah, it's my side hustle. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think for a minute that we were going to start trying to compare cultures, and because your culture based on food and other things is is great, but when we start talking about dialect and the way we talk versus you know here in Illinois versus the land down under. Down there, you know, I don't care. I'm going to keep saying because it, it is down under to me. Yeah. So, so, uh, but anyways, um, and truthfully, uh, this is no knock. If anybody's listening from Louisiana, but the like, literally, New Orleans is one of my most favorite places, and it's not, Bro, be, and it's not because your favorite. Of Fr- it's not because of French Quarter. Two of your favorite mastermind members are down in New Orleans, so stop. Chad you know. Dupes, you know. Well, I'm not going to make I'm not going to make you say that publicly, but you we 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 know it's true. We know it's George true. Dupes, you know, he believes in that in that football. He's all about that football down there. But anyways, man, I tell you what, that guy cracks me up, dude. He he literally I have to ma- I can't make my 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 brain shares on the weekends because of Chad Toops and all you Southerners, not all of you Southerners, but most of the Southerners, because you guys have college football you have to watch. And the one time I decided to have it in Vegas on a weekend, like half of you guys didn't come. I think you did, you did, but other people didn't. And they're like, man, it's it's college football time, dude. I'm sorry, I don't miss that day. And it's like, holy Uh, I'm sorry, it's not just us. Uh, I think uh, the Utah contingency was um, watching... BYU versus Wisconsin, I think maybe that's the first time I actually met Wes and I think Nick, um, mm-hmm. Lorenzentine. They were they were watching that game. I didn't, I didn't I had no idea who they were. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, a lot of times uh, people don't know who Wes is. But then you look at that manly beard that he uses wolf blood as oil to um, to caress. So it's fantastic. Eric, here's what I'm so going to hey, do. They, they, what? What's up? Go ahead. No, you go no, ahead. I, no, I want to kind of wrap this, this is up. Your show, man. No, I want to I want to kind of wrap this up and I want to I want to and before I do, I want to hear what you have to say. But so go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to share something and this kind of goes back to I think a question uh, I think we we either talked about it earlier in the show or, or or right before we went on about this idea of how I view uh the agency as as a planner as a as an advisor. Yeah. And I had a um early early in my Early in owning the agency, I had an issue with with a business partner, and I was having dinner with a good friend of mine who's a tax attorney, and I was kind of lamenting to him my struggles, and and he gave me some advice that's really changed how I how I view things, and he said, hey, you got to understand that there's two ways that you make money, and I kind of looked at him, and he goes, one as an employee, you make money as an employee, and then two, you make money as an owner. And you have to be able to separate those two when you make decisions. So as, a, as an employee, you, you, you show up to work, you trade your skill, your, you know, your labor, your time for compensation. So as a, as, an, as a business owner, and I put your business owner hat on, you have to pay Eric, the employee, or the, my business partner, the employee, what they're worth in terms of what the job that they're doing. What would you pay any other employee to do that work? Right. All right. And then as an owner... You make money by profit, by growth in the business. You have an asset that 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 earns or that that grows in value as the business grows. And he's and the problem was we were paying ourselves as owners too much and robbing the business of of cash mm-hmm. that it needed to hire employees to do the work that we yep. weren't doing. So we were absorbing resources from the from that the business. Total that makes sense. sense. Very well said. And um. 
So now I, I kind of this business owner hat, and this goes back to, to one other thing that ties to uh, something a, a college professor told me. He's an entrepreneur uh, class that I took. He said, there's three ways to make money. Number one is you show up and you work for it. You exchange your labor, your skill, your time for compensation. Most of us yep. do that. Yep. Right? All your staff do that. Okay. Number two, you have people who work for you um, and you make money from them. So any agency owner who has multiple staff or, or producers are, are making money number two, right? I have people like, I don't have to show up to work and someone is selling something and I'm making money. Cool. He goes, but true wealth is built the third way. And the third way is your capital is making yeah. money for you, right? So something I own is earning money for me on its own without me having to work. Now, as agency owners, we're somewhere between two and three because most of us as agency owners, unless we're, we're, we're in huge agencies kind of sitting at the top, uh, most of us still have to show up and do some work and manage. I mean, this is what you said, you, you know, the, the, the grind of having to manage it yep. um, is tough. But true wealth is built when our capital or our money is working for us. So think of, think of the investor who I'm going to write you a check for $50,000 or $100,000 and I'm going to walk away and other people, my money mm -hmm. is working for me. And as a, as an agency owner, um, I kind of look at my business kind of that way. Like I want to be able to my business to operate and make money off of, off of dividends or off of distributions or off of profit, not based off of any work that I'm doing. And that's kind of what I'm building towards hopefully at some point in the future. That third way is I'm an investor in this business and I have at some point I, I might not be the majority shareholder. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think as agency owners, that's 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 how I look at my business as an agency owner. This is an asset. This is my capital is invested, and I want it to generate revenue for me. So what me does that look like? That's the what the loyal listeners want to know, and that's where we're going to bring – I'm going to be honest with you. We're building so much damn content, dude. We're just going to have to get you your own freaking podcast because when we come back, I want us to talk about that too. Like like what are those three things that – and what do they – what do they graphically, visually look like, right? Like what are those things that we think are making us money, but they're not because it just may be an expense or, or and it's just like, yeah, we're making money, but we're spending money versus what are those things that we can do to as an agency owner and as a business owner that we can do two or three things that we can do to make our money make money for us. Because I think we all have heard that before, Eric. Um, but it's about, you know, it's kind of like the all of every every insured has heard about their mod. They've heard about their mod they have for workers comp and if it's good or bad, but no one's ever told them that they actually control that, right? And when you give examples to insureds and they see that the light bulb goes off and they go, Oh yeah, okay. I think it's the same thing here. We've heard that before, but it's here's things you could do that I've seen other businesses and their money's working for them other than just normal investments mm -hmm. maybe, right? Or maybe there's things outside of, of um, um, uh, um, uh, real estate. I don't know. But if you decide, I think me personally, I see a lot of people go into real estate investment and I think personally it's never been attractive to me. It seems like a lot of work. There's a lot of maintenance. There's a lot of headache. And I just don't know many people who own real estate that are really making it good. Are you are you describing real estate investors or, no, or agency I, owners? Well, kind of both, <laughs> right? 
It sounded like you just it looks like you just yeah, and, 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 and it kind of is right. Real estate investors, if that's what you're doing right, you're pretty good at it. Um, I will just say because I know Christopher Cook as an independent insurance agent. People don't know he behind the scenes is an invest. Um, he has a lot of investment property and a lot of things, and I think he embodies that number three that you were talking about because but also he just doesn't do it i think yeah. yeah he does it to make money he like really has like a thrill thing for this and and what he does um but anyways this those type of things what are those things that maybe you chris cook chris paradiso some of these other people know that we can bring that in i think that should be a topic yeah when you said chris cook you know the first thing that popped into my oh, mind or christopher i'm sorry christopher yeah, cook i was gonna say yeah go yep you corrected yourself. Freddie. 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 <laughs> Freddie. <laughs> we'll have to tell that story as well sometime. Hey, we're, we're, I want to ask you, I want to ask you because leaders are readers and readers are leaders. And I know for a fact that you're a leader and I know you're a reader because we discuss books. Give us a book that someone should read. Oh man, I'm kind of on a on a reading hiatus, man. Like I, That's okay. I, I was just I've been consuming too much content. I would say probably um a good book for someone to read. I'm going to say the first one that popped into my mind was Traction. Mm, I'm reading it right now. It's the exact book I'm Traction, reading. Traction, it, but it, but it's it's not an easy. I mean, it's it's you got to read it and be willing mm-hmm. to work. That's the problem with that yep, book. Yep. And that's probably why I'm I'm on a reading hiatus because all the books I read are work, mm-hmm. um, and I never get a chance to to. So my so my loyal listeners have heard me say it before, but just go read this book because it's not real long and it's not about insurance. Um, I say it all the time. I I love the book, dude. I've read it twice, um, and I always butcher the name. Adrift, seventy six days lost at sea. Adrift, seventy six days lost at sea. Long story short, guys tries to go from Europe over to the Caribbean um, on his own in his own little sailing boat, and literally on the first night, shit goes wrong. And it's 76 days lost at sea. It's an awesome book. It teaches you about – no, it's not. It teaches you – it's one of those you just want to keep reading because you want to see how the guy gets through the next day. And the things that he does for survival – makes you realize like you can put yourself in that situation and um yeah it's a really good book so you need to read it the title kind of spoils it right so you know he gets at least a day 76 yeah Yeah. 76 (laughs) days that's what i'm saying so see it's not so much about the advent it's not so much about the ending it's about what he's going through in survival right this isn't about retirement and knowing retirement this is about what we're doing in between that and it's a it's a good book. It's a really good book. It's it's eye opening. So, anyways, um, and to know that the truth is, the guy who it's not a record, but the longest person he says it in there. I'm, this isn't exact, but I'm pretty damn close. It's like 129 days. Somebody by themselves in a freaking dinghy was out in the middle of the ocean for 120 some days, dude. That's over four months, dude. Like I just, I just can't, I can't fathom it. And then when you see what this gentleman goes through, you really can't fathom it. You don't know how you'd last a week and it's amazing what we can do and it's survival. So it's something that takes you off business. You know what I mean? Actually is enjoyable to read, but it's hard for you to read because you've got so much stuff going on. You have a lot of great food and restaurants to go out to. We've got a beautiful wife. Here we go. I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you with one book. I'm going to leave you with one book. And the reason I, I thought about it. You said it takes your mind off of off of um, 
off of venture. And yeah. so every year I go on a, on a silent retreat. So I'm actually leaving tomorrow oh. for my, for my silent retreat. Okay. And it is, it is phenomenal. So it's right on, it's in convent, Louisiana, right on the Mississippi river, right across from, uh, or it's in an area that the, they used to be called the German coast. So there's a lot of plantations, um, in this area. And back in eight, Oh my God, I can't remember the, the year. Uh, it was the largest slave uprising in um, in the U.S. called American Uprising is the name of the book. Okay, And it is a, a really uh, American Uprising, the untold story, the largest slave revolt. It's a okay. great book. What's great the name book. of it? 1811. 1811. American Uprising, okay. the untold story of America's largest slave revolt. And what's cool, and the reason I thought about it, is because where I go on my retreat is like right, it's like a couple miles away from where it happened. Wow. So it's pretty no, cool. No, that is really cool. Yeah. Okay, cool. It'll be a book I actually get to read. Um, I'm reading one and it's going to be kind of exciting. I don't want to tell anybody what it is right now um, other than traction. I'm always reading like two or three books, but I'm reading one right now. Um, and I've met a famous guy and he's told me he'd come on the podcast if I read one of his books and then um, interviewed him on it. And so I just got it yesterday. It's going to take me a while. It's like 400 pages long, but it's going to be so awesome. Um, and then I'm going to get this guy on. So I'm really excited for that. I would say probably he probably won't be on until May or June, but it's a project that I'm working on. This is my side hustle, my gig. Hey, Eric Garcia, thank you very much, buddy, for um, coming on, dude. And uh, you're going to be back many times. Uh, and... Uh, Thank you very much. Because I, I think we came up with four or five subjects. And hey, anybody out there, Jason at agency intel Jason at agency-intelligence.com. Jason at agency-intelligence.com. Be sure to send me an email if there's any other topics that you think that would be beneficial to finding out about financial success. Keep in mind that also some of the times that the beauty of these podcasts, guys is that sometimes when you're talking to clients about things, it's not so much about what I'm saying, but listen to this financial advisor who's talking about this and using little clips of some of the stuff that Eric says. So I think that that's really, really vital. I take clips of my podcast all the time and send it to my staff because I don't expect them to go through the brutal agony of having to deal with me for eight hours and also having to listen to my podcast. But I do take clips out of it. So always remember that, that that's important. Eric, thanks for your time. Thanks for your commitment to uh, having a passion for what you do on finances and helping people plan and understand money. But thanks very much for, once again, it's just a kind of another small part of somebody giving back to the industry that's been so good for them. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jason. appreciate it. No problem. We're going to hear from him again, loyal listeners. Be sure to tell us what you think and uh, about this because we here at Agency Intelligence are trying to give you the real agents inside real agencies, just like Eric down there and NOLA. That's New Orleans for, for some of you guys. Um, and giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that they made to try to make you believe. And in this situation, when it comes with Eric, it's about society and the way that life trains us or lack thereof trains us how we should deal with money, how we should make money work from us. And the three examples that he gives, one, two, and three, we all say to ourselves, how do I do three? And I think that as agency owners, some of us are, and I think it's 
it's about time that we share those stories with other agency owners so they can become successful. Maybe we can create a, a show just for Eric and he will have other agents who come on and just talk about their financial successes and their financial losses and the way they've looked at money and how it can help not only just help all of us, but it could help Eric help the people that he tries to help as well. Giving takes receiving, and that's just the way it goes. It's never receiving before giving. It's giving and receiving. Tell me your thoughts. Tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass with Agency Intelligence Podcast. Eric Cass, we're out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you've got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.